everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Ardo Ocal, here with you twice weekly, Tuesdays, Fridays, wherever you get your audio podcasts as well, the NHL on ESPN YouTube. This week, a special week, we will have a Sunday live show, a Sunday. post-game show, Sunday, 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 after Stadium Series, the game between the Rangers and the Islanders, that will be on Sunday afternoon. Of course, before that, Saturday night, Devils and Flyers, MetLife Stadium hosting both games. We will be on a post-game show, a special post-game show live. And Arda, I will be very upset if there isn't a fight in that Rangers-Islanders game between their coaches. Like, that's where the bar is set for me right now <laughs> for Stadium Series. We know Patty Waugh capable of it, okay? Lobby's a big guy. You could see him knuckling up. So if there's not a fight between the coaches in that Rangers-Islanders game, I think we'll all come away very upset. Or Patrick Waugh goes to center ice and calls over the goaltender. Like, right. calls over Shesterkin and says, hey, get over here. And then they just have, like, a Dan Cloutier style, you know, like, just Oh, man, now we're talking. Center ice. No lady bings for those guys, I'll tell you. So, so, so the live show will be on ESPN Facebook, the ESPN app as well, the NHL and ESPN YouTube. And that will be posted in audio form after the fact if you only consume us in audio. Um, news dropped minutes before we started recording. The Columbus Blue Jackets are making a change at general manager, Yarmo Kekalainen, relieved of his duties. Uh, he had been general manager for 11 seasons. He amassed a 410 win, 362 loss, 97 uh, OTL record in 869 games. Uh, the club, though, is lo uh, likely going to miss the playoffs for the fourth straight year, currently last place in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, lots of notable moments for Yarmo Kekalainen, particularly in the last several years. I will say, wish for me, the I, I'm not surprised that this happened. I'm surprised about the timing just because we are in and around the trade deadline. So I guess the team decided, JD decided, I want a fresh pair of eyes as we get to a very important part of the year, especially to mold the future of this franchise. What was your initial reaction? Well, you know, first of all, you have to say that he, he did a great job as general manager in the sense that a general manager's job is to not get fired. And he didn't get fired from 2013 until now, right? Um, which makes him, you know, a David Poyle type, a guy who survived several cycles of rebuilding, uh, never accomplished much of anything, but kept his job. So kudos to Yarmo Kekalainen for being a good general manager to that end. As far as his status... This guy should have never been able to keep his job this season. The Mike Babcock debacle before this season, combined with their ineptitude on the ice for the last few seasons preceding this one, should have cost Yarmo Kekalainen his job before the season even started. I have a feeling he kept his job, one, because he signed through 24-25, and two, because they felt getting rid of the general manager after the coach resigned for, again, uh allegedly violating the player's privacy yeah. according to an NHLPA investigation when he asked to see photos on their cell phones. They felt firing the general manager would be too much of a shock to the system for this team heading into the season. But listen, they said ownership said at the time, you know, we're not going to get rid of these guys because of the timing of it. But the goals for the season are established. If we don't meet them, we'll reevaluate. The jackets suck. They've got a 404 points percentage. They're last in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, Kekalainen's team had done nothing to help save this guy's job, and off he goes. Are you surprised that this happened literally less than a month, half a month to the trade deadline? I'm not. I mean, like, you, 
why keep a guy around to make trades that you know isn't going to be there anyway? Like, it, it, does, it doesn't make any sense. It's always an awkward timing thing because you obviously don't have the next guy in place by the trade deadline, Davidson, and the team's sort of like brain trust, which will include Rick Nash, obviously, mm -hmm. are going to be the ones facilitating the trade deadline. But like, how active are they really going to be? I mean, uh, insofar as like they're going to try to move maybe one of their goalies. There's been some talk about Boone Jenner, but that probably doesn't happen. You know, most of the hard work is going to be done in the offseason. And, you know, I said this earlier when the Kekalina news broke uh, on social media that this job's pretty good, man. Like if you're a general manager or you're someone looking for a gig and and you're like, where do I want to plant my flag? You could you, you, know, you could do worse than Columbus. You could do worse than a team that is building a, a good, strong collection of young players. Adam Fantilli kind of leading the charge there. Yes. They're going to have another high draft pick this year. You could do worse than uh, a, a team in a market where the, the the bar is set at limbo levels right now for this franchise. Like they made the playoffs. I think it was like maybe five, five times under Kekalainen and only won one playoff series. That shocking one where they upset the lightning in the first round in the sweep. So it, it's all there for you to a be better than what was there and B know that that market is a powder keg. That is a, a, a market that is ready to just party on like a Nashville level for a yes. team that's relevant and good and contending. And and given what's already on the roster, somebody's going to go there and look really good in about three or four years. Three quick things on this before we move on. Speaking of parties, our own John Butchergrass also revealed the news that finally, finally, Barry finally, uh, finally, he's heel now. So we uh, we we have to hate the Rock. Um, the the shoe is going to host an outdoor game. Apparently, it's going to be between the Blue Jackets and the Detroit Red Wings next season. Uh, but that's going to be amazing. That's going to be a party vibe. It could be one of the best atmospheres in NHL outdoor game history, just because of how much it's percolated. So I can't wait for that. That was first reported by our own John Butchergrass. Uh, second, I can't wait for. Adam Fantilli to be playing with uh, Macklin Celebrini. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> and um, you make a good point about Rick Nash, though. So he's, uh, for those unaware, he still works with the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. He's doing some scouting, director of player development, that kind of thing. I wonder if in this next iteration, maybe he becomes an AGM or is on that path. That that might be an interesting look. I It could be. I If I'm the Blue Jackets, I go outside the organization. Like, I, I just do. I bring in somebody to do a complete audit of everything's there. Like you've not been successful for the last decade. Like bring in somebody from the outside, get a good sense Proven of what the organization is and what it isn't. And then go from there. That game. Or someone to I, mentor Rick Nash as well. Yeah. Like an assistant GM or something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. That game at Ohio state is going to be incredible. Like, and not only that, because it's going to be an easy sell. You know, the, the one thing that you always need in the NHL when it comes to these spectacles is how do you communicate to the casual fan that this is something worth watching. It'll be worth watching because of the capacity, for sure. And it'll certainly be worth watching uh, for the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry of it all, which is, again, like, the easiest thing to sell in hockey is rivalry. The easiest thing to sell to a casual hockey fan is rivalry from another sport, <laughs> right? And so having that as sort of your basis for this game is, is just tremendous. Also, you know, good to see the Red Wings in an outdoor game, too, as well. We It's been a while for them, I believe. Yeah, so uh, lucky that they're not, you know, in that cycle of 
uh, the teams that are continuously in the outdoor games. I'm looking at you, Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. Uh, and, and it would be great if Kent Johnson was in that game because he has, like, the prettiest Michigan goal in NHL history, <laughs> in my opinion. So if he's playing in that game and he scores a Michigan against the Michigan team with the Michigan rivalry for Columbus, that'd be hilarious. Um, okay, I'm going to allow you, Wish. This is your moment to brag. This is your moment to say, like Bobby the Brain Heenan, I'm not the kind of guy to say I told you so, but I told you so because you perfectly, absolutely perfectly called uh, the Morgan Riley suspension length. Uh, you said it on the last show, so the floor is yours. Take take 15 seconds and just 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 savor it all in. I I fancy myself as the Supreme Court scholar of the Department of Player <laughs> Safety. I know the precedent. I know the cases. I know the judges. I understand the thought process. If you throw it all together and really understand what how they come to these conclusions, five games was always going to be the most logical conclusion to Morgan Riley's case. Although apparently, Arda, not the conclusion the Toronto Maple Leafs and the NHLPA and Morgan Riley wanted to see based on current events. Yes, so this will be appealed. Uh, a lot of these are being appealed under the new regime in the NHLPA. What do you make of that? This, is, this seems to be just a more general paradigm shift in the Marty Walsh era. Do you, do you think that this is just a, hey, let's set the tone early. This is the paradigm we want to establish and this is the way we're going to go moving forward regardless of suspension length like how are you reading this well it's only the ones that that i mean there's been specific ones that have been appealed like the the rasmus anderson one was appealed that was to try to get him to play in the outdoor game charlie mcavoy's was appealed that was because they felt it was too long and this one obviously gets appealed because they feel five games for what he did is egregious mm -hmm. um and, and obviously the leafs remain very upset that he ended up yet at five games uh, I, I, I've been asking around to try to figure out why this is happening under Marty Walsh's NHLPA. The answers I've gotten have ranged from they're just using the tools given to them by the CBA to the idea that Walsh is trying to poke the bear early on in his tenure. I, I will say this, though, like there's there's a thought process that player safety has had to like up their game or something because these appeals are coming down. Every ruling they make needs to be airtight they know it needs to be airtight the next level above them is gary bettman if they do sloppy work it's going to get called out by the guy and then above bettman is the neutral arbitrator on, on suspension six games are over so they know they have to have all their eyes dotted their t's crossed on these rulings i don't think that walsh's uh, appeals have shaken them I, I do think that they are a bit of a nuisance and and maybe ultimately that's that's the point but in this case, man, like if this this one brings me back to the biggest conundrum about the NHLPA, which is that they represent both the victim and the offender, right? Yeah. And five games for a guy getting hit in the head with a stick as pure retribution for a showboaty goal, to me is is fine, and it and and I'm sure it's fine for uh for 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 Ridley Grigg, you know, and and it should be fine for the PA. And the fact that this is getting appealed is is it's it's a waste of everybody's time. Like Batman's just going to rubber stamp the ruling from the NH from the Department of Player Safety. I think five is frankly a fortunate outcome for Morgan Riley for what he did. And I encourage everybody to look at the ruling because I think they spell it out pretty clearly what he did. And he certainly didn't like roll his stick up the guy's arm or 
any of that nonsense being put up by our friends in Toronto. He should be happy with five, but he's going to appeal it, waste everybody's time, and then end up with five. And we on this show will say, well, the suspension was upheld and Morgan yeah. Riley will return and, after five and games. That's, and there you go. That's not to say that he shouldn't exercise his right. I'm a, I'm a exactly. union guy in every way. Like I didn't, I wouldn't have gone to college were it not for a union. Okay. Like I am pro union. Uh, that has always been who I am. But in some of these cases, you just have to look at the reality of your surroundings and say to yourself, even if the mechanism is available to me, am I, am I really going to decrease the suspension? Am I doing anything but delaying the inevitable? And I think in this case, Riley's delaying the inevitable. From Toronto to Vancouver, guess who's in town? Abbotsford, to be exact. Phil the Thrill Kessel back on the ice, uh, <clears throat> skating, practicing with the Vancouver Canucks AHL affiliate, uh, the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, I would like to give an impromptu winner here. The winner is Costco. Uh, there is a Costco across the street from Rogers Arena, and I shall remind everybody that hot dogs are $1.50. And uh, this would have been perfect if you still had the segment, Phil Kessel loves hot dogs wish. But um, yes, the the Phil Kessel Vancouver Canucks marriage uh, is looking to be uh, a thing. What do you make of him as a potential piece for a uh, Canucks team that is looking to make a Stanley Cup run? First of all, I became too too well acquainted with that Costco during the, two, 20, <laughs> the 2010 Olympics. I mean, it was right there. And it was uh, plentiful. Still a dollar um, fifty. Find find me a. Let me re rewind this for a second. What are the things that we know most about Jim Rutherford? Well, we know that he won Stanley Cups with two different franchises. We know that he's a kindly old grandpa who loves mm -hmm. to give Werther's Originals to all the people that visit his office. <laughs> at least in my mind. Uh -huh. And we know there is not a single player he's acquired that he will not acquire again that was his rap in carolina for years he's already done it once this season with elias lindholm and oh look phil kessel a centerpiece part of jimmy rutherford's penguins championship teams now a member of rutherford's vancouver canucks team with its eyes on the championship look i don't know how much phil has left i do know that people absolutely adore him that play with him right um, and I do know that there's one other part of this that we haven't discussed yet, Arda, which is that beyond the Jim Rutherford connection to, to, to Kessel, the Phil Kessel whisperer is yes, the head coach exactly. of the Vancouver Canucks. Rick Tockett, was, that was his reputation as an assistant coach in, in Pittsburgh. And then when he became the head coach in Arizona, Kessel went there and everybody assumed that Tockett was going to be able to unlock something in Kessel that got locked up once, once talk it left. So you get former GM reacquiring the player, Phil Kessel whisperer behind the bench. I'm pretty high on this one. I think it's, I think it's the best landing spot imaginable for Phil. And I would love nothing more than to see him play even an infinitesimal role in, uh, in the Canucks trying to win a championship this year. And remember, that's the role that he played in Vegas. He didn't play. He was a healthy scratch. He didn't play much of a role in the playoffs, but at the end of the day, he was still part of that squad. He played 82 games in the regular season. Now, he, like you said, that's why I like this a lot. He's coming into a situation where he has a coach that has proven success with him. He's later in his career. If he now, I, if he accepts this role of I might be a black ace, so to speak, you know, I might not be in the lineup at all times, but if called upon, 
I know that I will have the tools around me and I will be prepared to contribute in certain ways and be relied upon as a bottom six forward. That to me on that lineup with that coach is a win-win situation and absolutely worth it, especially if it's at the veterans minimum. Plus everything in balance. You know, when you've got the Tommy Lee Jones with a migraine intensity of JT Miller in your locker room, you need to balance it out with the sunny, ah shucks compartment of a Phil Castle. Yes. And, and, and now we have it. So Vancouver adding a great piece there. I think uh, all eyes will be on that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he conforms and contributes with the Vancouver Canucks. So the stadium series this weekend, again, we have a live show Sunday after the Rangers and Islanders game. Uh, but we are going to talk to a friend of the program, first time on the show, a uh, great friend of ours, though. Uh, he also hosts a podcast, a hockey podcast at ESPN called Game Misconduct. He is the radio voice of the New York Rangers. And, of course, he is a very, very wildly popular radio host in the New York City area on ESPN Radio Airwaves, Don LaGreca. All right, joining us now on The Drop, a guy we've wanted to get on for a really long time. You know him from the Michael K. Show on New York Radio. You know him from Rangers Broadcasts. You know him from the Game Misconduct Podcast. And you know him as Don LaGreca, an absolute ambassador of New York hockey, may, may I be so bold to say. I appreciate that. I take that as a compliment. A lot of people are irritated by it, but I do feel like I carry the flag for local hockey in New York, and I have for a long time. I'm always fighting the fight. Yeah. And believe it or not, I, I, I feel like it's less of a fight now than it's ever been. I think this game's on the uptick. I think all three teams are really interesting. Obviously, it's driven by the Rangers because of their – original six and the, and, and the fan base and all that, but with the Islanders and, and Rangers lately, I really feel like this, this is probably in the 20, almost 30 years I've been in this business. I would say this has probably been the best time to be able to really get into talking about all three locals. Yeah. And, and one day we'll, we'll live the dream, the mutual dream of having callers be as passionate about the third line of the Rangers as they are about the second left-handed reliever for the Yankees. We'll get there one day. Well, I'll tell you the dirty little secret in sports radio. And I worked at the fan for five years from 96 to 2001. And it's been in ESPN since 2001. The, the dirty little secret is if the, if I'm given my way and I start talking hockey, the phones light up mm. like a Christmas tree. They do. Nope. The fans are there. I mean, you're, how many times have we seen all three locals be home at the same time and all three buildings are sold out? All right. Now I'm yeah. not going to sit here and tell you that it is with it's as close to the big three and that it's football, baseball, or basketball. No, but the fan base is there. They're passionate. They're into it. And quite frankly, if we had more talk show hosts that were hockey savvy, I think you would, you would hear a lot more callers and a lot more interest around sports radio when it came to the NHL. Indeed. All right. Let's get into it. First of all, are you ticked off like me that it's not Devils Rangers at MetLife? I mean, I understand the dynamic. Yeah. I understand where the everybody's going to have a dance partner. We're going to get the Flyers involved somehow. But Devils Rangers in North Jersey just feels right, doesn't it? it, it yeah, I just don't know what you could have done unless you did what you uh, accomplished at Yankee Stadium uh, 10 years ago and just have the Rangers play both at separate days. Uh, I guess you could have done that, but that was Super Bowl week, if you remember, and I, I think it made a lot of sense. Back-to-back -back days, 
I just don't know who you would be able to put the Devils, the Islanders with if it was Rangers Devils, because Islanders Flyers just doesn't hit the same as I think Devils no. Flyers do. And I, it's just I'm not going to say the Islander rivalry, Islander Ranger rivalry is dead. It just it's frozen over. They haven't met literally in 30 years in the postseason. The Devils and Rangers just came off a seven game series five minutes ago. So that one would have made more sense. I just don't know who you could have hooked the Islanders up with if you wanted to just have it standalone. Because the other thing that kind of bothers me, eight o'clock on a Saturday night in the middle of the winter for Flyers Devils, that's a that that, that that's that's a tough climate for people. I get it, but the three o'clock Sunday Islanders Rangers, I'm really looking forward to. Well, I mean, if you're a fan of somebody chasing the Rangers, you have no problem with them playing back to back. Have the Rangers play eight o'clock Saturday night, three o'clock Sunday. <laughs> right. The Islanders fans and Devils fans are fine with that. Oh, they would be very fine with that. <laughs> is there a way to get Detroit or you know or Toronto to play four consecutive days so that maybe they can. <laughs> sneak into the wild card but you know you're right it uh yeah it'd be it'd be a tough thing to do but it rangers devils i just think would just so, it's so much hotter so much interest because of what happened last year let's talk about these teams real quick the rangers have been near the top of the conference almost all season what has to happen for them you're a keen observer of this team what has to happen for them to uh win their first stanley cup since 1994 They've, they've got to figure out to find a way on a consistent basis to get somebody to score goals that's not named Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider, and Trocek. They desperately need that. Now, is it going to be Lafreniere? Is it going to be Kako? Is it going to be Wheeler? I'm, I'm not feeling it. Uh, it. At moments, you do, and I think Lafreniere has been a bit stink bit, and I think he's got the potential. Forget that he was the first overall pick. That doesn't matter anymore. He's never going to live up to that expectation. No. But can he be a 20-plus goal scorer? Sure, but they need more than that. Wheeler's, he's, he's, he's towards the end of his career now. Kako, I, I don't know. We're just trying to gain some traction on him. They tried everybody and their mother on that right wing on the top line. Wheeler, Kako, everybody. It just hasn't worked. So they're going to have to make a deal for a right winger at some point. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, they're going to have to try to make it happen because you see their power plays very stale right now, which carried them for most of the season. And now it's gone seven straight games without a goal. Uh, they need they need some secondary and tertiary scoring on a consistent basis. If you go back a couple of years ago when they made the run to the conference final, I don't think that happens unless they acquire Petrano and Cobb. So right. they're going to have to make some sort of a deal here that's going to add an extra score. Another defenseman would be nice, but I think that's kind of a luxury that I think every NHL team would love to grab. As the great EJ Raddick uh, one time told me, they don't sell them at the NHL store. Um, so forget <laughs> the defenseman right now. I think uh, finding uh, a, a right winger or somebody who can play right wing, I think is something Chris Drury just has to do. And then I would feel a little bit more comfortable saying they're a legitimate cup contender. That power play probably will get a little healthy when they play the Islanders, the uh, last ranked team. Maybe one of the worst penalty kills we've seen on record uh, with the Islanders this year. The Patrick Waugh hiring for the Isles, like I think it's a construction over coaching thing personally with that roster. But do you think that he can whip them into shape and make them a playoff team? I, I time's running out and, and I will see. We had Lou Lamorello on the K show. When we were over at UBS last week and he seemed confident they'd make the playoffs. I, I, I called the game in Ottawa a couple of weeks ago and got a chance to talk to Jacques Martin. I, I, I don't know if you've ever done it, do it. You, you're going to be a smarter hockey person when you walk away from that interview. And he talked about, he was down in Florida when the Panthers picked up Paul Maurice and remember, they barely made the playoffs last year, almost didn't, shouldn't have made the playoffs, and they end up going on a run, and now they're one of the best teams in the NHL. He says it takes time for a coach to get his system in place, 
his attitude in place. It is going to work with Patrick Waugh. The question is, will there be enough time? I think there's still enough time because I'm not, I'm not sold on Detroit. Um, they've got a lot to do to hold on to that final playoff spot. I think Philadelphia, they've showed me a lot coming out of the break, but you know, losing heart is just going to be so devastating for them. So I do think there's some opportunities for both the rain, the devils and the Islanders to make it in I'm a little more confident. New Jersey will do it. The question is, will Patrick wall run out of road? But I think at some point you're going to see how good a coach he can be for this team. And I guess worst case scenario won't be till next year. You know, the Flyers are funny. Like I, I, every time you count them out, they they go on a four game winning streak. They have a seventy five percent chance of making the playoffs right now per staff athletes. And Torts is a funny way of getting middling teams into the playoffs to the detriment of his franchise's long term planning. Right. So I, I'm kind of on the Flyers make it bandwagon right now. But as far as the Devils go, we'll close with this: um, Is it going to be a case where their 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 goaltending just undermines? any momentum that they can build. They they get Jack back. They look like a different team. They start winning games. They start stacking wins. But is, is I mean, are they going to trade for a guy? Are they going to roll with what they got? Is the goaltending ultimately going to be the thing that holds them back? Well, you know, you heard about what the the, the Markstrom waving his nose break yeah. was to agree to go to New Jersey. My, my theory is the reason that deal fell apart is that's when Calgary got hot. Hmm. So I guess root for the flames to dip, and then I <laughs> still think that deal could be made. And I don't know if you heard what – um um, Barry Trot said about him talking to uh, Fitzgerald in New Jersey about goaltending. Are mm. you telling me that UC Soros could become available? He's got another year left on his contract at $5 million with Hamilton on long-term IR. The Devils could fit that in. If they land a Markstrom or a Soros, look out, man. Look out. But right now, wow. can any of these goaltenders turn into Darcy Kemper? Can they turn into that goaltender that doesn't have to carry the team? Not with this blue line, man. This blue line is just not good enough to do that. If they yeah. had a good blue line, then I think you can have a pedestrian goaltender who just gets hot. But this team desperately needs a goaltender. If they get it, I think they can make a run. If not, I just can't see them getting out of the first round. I just can't. Markstrom's underlying numbers are incredible this season. Uh, he's been an analytics darling. Uh, there's no no surprise the Devils are interested. The Soros thing is only interesting for me because he's not been good this year. Like he's been straight out bad this year at times, mm -hmm. but last season, his last two months of the year, he played like a heart trophy winner. So if you can replicate that and you get him at the right time, then you might have yourself something. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see who costs more as far as a, uh, you know, a, going back the other way, price Soros or Markstrom. It'd be interested to see that. I, I, I'm, if I'm the devils, I don't give up like a Nemature Holtz. For either of those guys, if that's the price, really? That's no, the, oh no, not I mean, for those least, guys. But you're not gonna have to give up something. I know you do. I know. I mean, I, we've been spoiled with trades of like, you know, belly button lint for Timo Meyer and stuff like that. But <laughs> you do have to give to get eventually. I don't are know. You, I, I'm with you though. You? I think I think there's enough smoke there that they're gonna wind up making some kind of a move to improve the back end. Are you willing uh, but, to give up first round picks considering how young the team is and how they've benefited from having those two first overall picks? Like, do you feel like because it's a win now team with the right move that a well, first round pick or picks could be what ends up replacing the young guys that are currently on the roster? Potentially, but, th but that's just it. I don't think it's win now. I think it's win in the next three years. Like they're so young. Most of their guys are locked up long-term. You could easily take a mulligan on this season because of Hamilton's Good. injury. You know, there's there's a lot there to say that you don't push all in just to try to salvage this year because there have been stretches where they haven't played well even when Jack's been in the lineup. So 
We'll see what they do. The journey to the Stanley Cup begins against the Flyers on Saturday, Greca, and you and I will both be there. That'll be the turning point on the DVD, right? It'll all came <laughs> together That's right. on a cold heaven, heaven part Saturday. four. Heaven part four, the devil's journey <laughs> to uh, the Stanley Cup. Donnie, it's great that you joined us, man. We'll do it again soon, and we'll see you at, the, at MetLife. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to this weekend. Donnie, thank you very much for joining us here on the show. Let's keep it rolling with the stadium series. We love to do our superlatives whenever it's a major event. Let's just continue to do that, Wish. Uh, we're going to do favorites, least favorites, etc. cetera. Why don't we start with our favorite game in history? Since 2014, there have been several stadium series games. Mine happened to happen in 2014. It was the Rangers and the Devils at Yankee Stadium. Now, I've said this a lot, Wish. I love when outdoor NHL games happen at baseball stadiums because I think that there's a certain charm, a uniqueness to it. I love the way that Fenway Park looked. I know that was Winter Classic, but uh, I'm just saying, like, the, the, the way that baseball stadiums look, I like the way that Yankee Stadium looked. There's just a... The image always looks unique when it is at a baseball stadium for an outdoor NHL game. And this one had everything you could ask for in a game. It had a bunch of goals. The atmosphere was great. It was the first half of the game was at least sort of close. They set a record for most goals in the second period for an outdoor game. Uh, and it was a rivalry game. And so I liked it a lot. Well, it, it, it was picturesque, but it didn't it, it lacked something really important, which was uh, kiss which of course is what the Dodger <laughs> stadium game between the Los Angeles Kings and Ana Anaheim Ducks had in January, uh, 2014. Again, look two two geographic rivals playing a Dodger stadium. But the reason why this game is so important to me, it I think it was the turning point for NHL outdoor games when they realized they could lean into kitsch. They can lean into some goofiness. It's not simply just having kiss and like, you know, flames firing up from the ice, uh, playing in between periods and, and posing for pictures with Gary Bettman, which of course is iconic. But it's also, you know, they're having volleyball players and deck hockey games on the field. You know, it was it was a bunch of sort of that California vibe going on, fake palm trees, the whole thing. It was really the first time the NHL let their freak flag fly with one of these outdoor games. And then from that point on, you know, that's we get the boot at the Cotton Bowl. We get the, the ice diamond in Fenway. Like it all kind of tracks back, I think, to this Dodger Stadium game, which was a good game. Uh, not not too thrilling, but but everything that went along with it made it my, my favorite. So Kiss put it over the top, really, is what we're saying. Gene they were made for loving you, baby. Don't forget yes, that. Exactly. Uh, they want to rock and roll all night and party every day. Uh, what was your least favorite game? That's got to be March 2018, the Capitals and the Maple Leafs at the U.S. Naval Academy. The, the NHL had a run of trying to do a bunch of different military academies. I think their game at Air Force was actually pretty fun, although uh, that's when I had version 1.0 of COVID, and I thought my lungs were going to collapse in the altitude climbing all those stairs. That's a story for another day. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Caps and Leafs didn't really have any kind of, like, rivalry between themselves and the – U.S. Naval Academy Stadium in Annapolis didn't really have too much personality. Um, and, and there was also a power outage, which was very odd for this outdoor game. So of the stadium series games, I have to say that was the one that I, I liked the least. For me, it's Blackhawks and Penguins. Uh, that one, really just because of the weather, it just like the conditions were awful. And you have all these like super skilled players and it could have been a really good showcase of hockey. But unfortunately... Uh, the weather made it such that you couldn't even make a cross ice pass. Like it was just bad. 
Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, that's one of the risks you take with outdoor games. I will point to the 2014 Winter Classic as an example of the perfect blend of weather and hockey because that was just, you know, uh, snow calmly falling onto the ice and the only disruption really was a couple of extra snow timeouts, right? Right. And that right. was nice. That was that that felt great and that atmosphere was terrific too, but here unfortunately just felt like the ice became slush and it just didn't do for uh, make for a great not a at yucky all game it's a, a yucky, yucky game game exactly of course if if this happened today they would have uh, had uh 7-eleven sponsor the slush and it would yes. have been the slurpy game the slurpy game we exactly. know how to monetize better today than we did back then absolutely they would have put line. like uh coloring on the ice yep. and absolutely it up and yeah absolutely no way uh favorite jersey detroit 2016 the stylized detroit mm. i like the mm -hmm. look of it uh, I like that they take a chance with something they wouldn't normally you would normally see. I like that, so that's mine. Mine is the Nashville Smashville jerseys from their 2022 Stadium Series game. Um, you look back at their Winter Classic at the Cotton Bowl and, and what that jersey looked like versus the over the topness of this jersey. That's the thing about the Stadium Series. It's kind of fun. Is that like everything is sort of turned up to 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 like 13. You know the jerseys, the helmets. Everything is just very big and bold. And and the Smashville jersey for me was one of my favorite looks for that franchise, but also just the epitome of what I like about the stadium series where, it, you know, it feels like the, the rules are broken when it comes to to uniforms and things of that nature. I appreciate that. I hate them. <laughs> They're my least favorite jersey. I like the guitar pick. I just don't like that look of the giant block letters. It sounded like the Islanders one in, uh, this year. It's just like giant block letters in the middle. Smashville is cool. The guitar. That's what I was going to cool, say. Like, but... I think part of the appeal is that like, if it was two block letters that said Pred Ators, like it's stupid, <laughs> but, but, but they went and they used something that's like a colloquial local thing and part of their branding. And I thought that was kind of a, a unique thing. You know, if we had an Atlanta Thrashers outdoor game, Arda, and it said Blue Land, same deal. RIP the Thrashers. <laughs> Uh, least what favorite for me. Is what you're saying is the Islanders Stadium Series jersey would have made better if we just had like a traffic jam in the middle, sort of like or, like or, LIE or something. Yeah, uh, the LIE or, or something or like uh, <laughs> the, the, something from Belmont Park, something beyond the choice they made. Uh, least favorite for me might be that Islanders jersey to be honest with you, but I'll go with another one because I thought this one was heinous. The LA Kings roller derby jersey from their Air Force game. Uh, now the helmets I thought were dope. That jersey remains an absolute like again. It's straight out of out of Roller Hockey International. It's it's this it's this bizarre letters on a slant kind of thing. It man, there is nothing about that jersey I like. That it's one of those where I'm like, I get what you're doing. It just didn't work. Maybe wear something else. Dream Stadium Series game. It's been on my list for a while. Wish Columbus. It's finally happening. Bucci tweeted out that it will be the Red Wings and the Blue Jackets. Maybe in March, March first, twenty twenty five. Uh, seems to be the date, and that's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Uh, that that has been number one on my list. Like it, it, it's been percolating, man. It's been building, and I can't wait to see the tailgates. I can't wait to see the atmosphere inside. I can't wait to see how many tickets are sold, and like just tens of thousands of people. Maybe like we reach a hundred thousand. I don't know. Like whatever the number, whatever capacity could be. Like, will this set a record? I don't know. Like I, I I'm excited to find out. My dream one has always been the Flyers and Penguins at Beaver Stadium at Penn State. There's a, I mean, we're getting closer to it, but I don't know if we're going to get there quite yet. But 
I mean, the real dream one, though, is you got to figure out a way to get the Sunshine State battle in a stadium series game. Get the Panthers and Lightning somewhere in an open-air stadium somewhere in Florida. Uh, it's it's a great rivalry. It would it would be such a different vibe than than uh, most of these games have been. They've shown they can make ice at Dodger Stadium. They made ice yep. at Lake Tahoe, sorta, and uh, and I think they can they can make ice wherever. And so give me give me Pan- give me Panthers uh, Lightning anywhere in Florida, or you know if not, stick to somewhere else in the country. Let's go, let's go Panthers Lightning at Lambeau. Why not? Right. Why not? Forget about the local uh, team. No, 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 no. Just throw them wherever. Uh, what I will say is if they're going to do that, uh, I guess I better be prepared to fill on air for seven hours uh, as the sun destroys the ice. I'm going to have to really prepare for that one. <laughs> Wish you're coming with me, buddy, just so you know, okay? Like, no, if, that's if fine. that happens, you're going to be with me for seven hours as we just do this superlative segment for like a three-hour rip. Just like we're gonna deep dive into every game, give you a giant segment. It's 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 me reading the Wikipedia on how to make ice just for exactly an hour. yes, that's it. That's what it's gonna be. Uh thanks for joining us, everybody. Enjoy the stadium series. Remember, it's Devils Flyers Saturday night on ABC and Rangers Islanders on ABC Sunday. And right after that game, we will be live on the NHL ESPN YouTube as well as the ESPN Facebook. If you only consume us in audio form, it will be posted as an audio podcast afterwards. So uh, enjoy the games, and we will yeah. see you for our live show on Sunday. If you see me out there, say, hey, I'll be walking around the tailgates looking for stories. Uh, you know, stories, Arda. What, what's, what's the, what, what is, actually, before we go, that's a good yeah. question. Because, like, yeah. I know what to expect at a Buffalo tailgate. Someone's going through a table. What are you expecting at a MetLife tailgate? Oh, probably a lot of Bon Jovi. <laughs> it's just people being honest bon jovi like well i mean listen listen honestly as a, devils, as, as a devils fan like the novelty of tailgating at the meadowlands is nostalgic i mean when, when they moved to prudential center tailgating left you can't tailgate it at the at the Peru. it's all parking garages and stuff so going back to the meadowlands where the devils played for the first few decades of their lives at at uh what is used to be brandon Byrne arena uh i mean tailgating in those parking lots is is part of the devil's lore so i know at least in jersey for the jersey fans they'll probably get there real early and and be pretty pretty a pretty good mindset before the flyers come come to town that massive battles over taylor ham and pork roll and it's just gonna be pandemonium indeed something like that all right enjoy the games we'll see you for the live show on sunday